talk Lion Hoops. This is Inside Southeastern Basketball with David Kiefer. We take you out now to Rainbow Daiquiri's. And we are live from Rainbow Daiquiri's in beautiful Hammond, America. This is Inside Southeastern Basketball with head coach David Kiefer. Good evening, everyone. I'm Mark Willoughby. Welcome to our very first show of the 2023-24 season. I'll be your host each and every week right here on 90.9 The Lion as we take an inside look at all the happenings within the Southeastern basketball program with Southeastern head basketball coach David Kiefer. If you'd like to join us, uh, you're driving around or uh, listening to us on the radio and you want to come on out, come on out and join us. Uh, wind down after a long day of work. Come on by Rainbow Daiquiri's located at 14384 West Thomas Street, just down uh, the road from Walmart and across from Rouse's. We'll step away. We'll come back. We'll be joined by the man of the hour, Southeastern head basketball coach David Kiefer. You're listening to Inside Southeastern Basketball on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network. Daiquiri's is a proud location sponsor of the David Kiefer Radio Show and this broadcast on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network. Rainbow Daiquiri's has been serving the Hammond area since 1984. Located at 14384 West Thomas Street in Hammond, Rainbow Daiquiri's offers a variety of daiquiris and beer plus pool tables. With late hours, Rainbow Daiquiri's is proud to support Lion Athletics and this broadcast on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for providing the facilities to meet my health and nutritional needs in order for me to be the best student athlete I can be. For making game day experiences go from ordinary to extraordinary. For allowing me to meet new people and build lifelong friendships while competing at the school I love. For giving me the resources to pursue my degree and the ability to excel in the classroom. For helping me look my best as I compete and achieve my goals. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Lion Nation, for your support. You help make a difference in the daily lives of more than 300 student-athletes wearing Southeastern green and gold. We couldn't do it without you. Your favorite coaches club is available through the Lion Athletics Association by phone at area code 985-549-5091. Also available online at www.lionup.com. For everything about Southeastern Athletics, including schedules, live game coverage, and stats, visit lionsports.net. And welcome back. We are live at Rainbow Daiquiri's. We've got a great crowd on hand here tonight. And now to introduce the man of the hour, the reason you're all here, we'd like to Welcome aboard Southeastern head basketball coach David Kiefer. Uh, coach, uh, welcome. Uh, first show of the year. I know it's been a long uh, non-conference stretch for you, but a lot to talk about here tonight as we take you uh, through the hour. And uh, welcome aboard. I appreciate you having me. It's, it's nice to be back home in, in Hammond, America for, for a change. Hammond, America, always a great place to be and a great place to, uh, to watch college basketball. You guys, uh, last year, a uh, tough loss in the conference tournament. As uh, you know, but uh, a lot coming back this year. I know you guys uh, really circled the wagons during the offseason, made a lot of improvements to your basketball team. And uh, one thing you did, I, I, something new here, I don't think any Southeastern team's ever done before, and that's take a summer trip to the Bahamas. And I know you guys felt like you really improved as a basketball team as far as coming together as a team. Talk about that. Yeah, I don't know how much. Uh, uh, 
better we got, you know, go, looking back in it as far as X and O wise, strategy wise. But I, I, you know, we have a we have a lot of returners, but we have also have a, a lot of new guys too. And by returners, I mean guys with second, third, and fourth, fifth year guys that have been here in our program for a long time. But um, it, our our guys were able to mesh, and I think this is the as far as friendship on and off the court. This is the closest knit group team that we've had here. Um, and I think a lot of that starts with our, with our trip, and we were out there for. Um, what was that, a, about a, a week, seven days, and played three games. We're able to kind of figure out uh, who we were as a team, but also able to do, you know, some, some team bonding, hang out with each other, get out there, get on jet skis, you know, snorkeling, get in swimming pools. And uh, it was just, it, it was a really fun trip. It was good. It was, it was just a lot less pressure. You know, when you get in the season, everything is, you know, there's so much pressure in every single game and being locked in, laser focused. And I think we were able to um, just kind of relax because, you know, leading up to that, we were able to get those 10 extra practices too. And, and that's what we really got the most out of. You know, when you do these foreign trips, usually for summer, for the summer, uh, our guys go home July 27th. Well, because we were, we were on a foreign trip from the 5th to 10th, we were able to stay and we were have, able to have unlimited practice time. So all those new guys were able to just get a ton of reps and be able to go over all the little uh, nuances of offensively, defensively, and get those extra 10 reps in. Because over summer basketball, you get such limited access with the guys. and you know, before that trip, it was like in-season practices, and I think we got a, a lot of basketball then, and then when we were able to go out on the trip, we were able to just bond and hang out and have fun. Explain to uh, Lion fans about these trips. I know it's not something you can do every year, is it? Uh, no, it's, it's something NCAA has, you know, it's been around, and people have been doing it for a really long time, but, you know, um, you can only go once every four years, and when you go on these trips, you're not you're not able to play other Division One basketball schools. While we were over there, there was actually LSU was over there. There was 20 other Division One schools, but you could only pay um, other foreign teams, whether that be club teams, national teams. Um, we just happened to pay a couple club, club uh, Bahamian teams that um, were pretty good, um, but it was able to just you know play somebody else because over the summer you're just playing your guy your, yourselves all day. So getting a new opponent, playing somebody else, kind of figuring out um, your team. Um, it was good, but yeah, you can only do that once every four years. So, here in a couple of years, we won't be able to do that until uh, another four years from now. What did you learn about your team? I know not not basketball wise, but you talked about team building and roster building, camaraderie, that sort of thing. What did you learn about your guys? Um, we got a, you know, we got we got a, a really um, mature group. I think we got a mature group, just a, a, a good group of guys. You know, I, I think that. Um, our, our guys are from all over the place. You know, we got guys from Georgia. We got guys from Germany. We got guys from Idaho. We got guys from uh, Florida. And, and our guys, I think we just have a really selfless group. We got a, a, a group that's about the right things on and off of the court. We got a really uh, smart, um, good leaders. Um, everything you want from a basketball team, you know. And, and I think that um, we got a lot of guys that just in life that you know, are going to be successful. You know, Alec Woodard, um, Avery Wilson, Roger McFarland, Brody. Uh, Max Brackman, that just in life, you know, are going to be CEOs of companies one day that are going to be um, teachers, that are going to be uh, lawyers, or just, you know, you got guys that, um, that really take life seriously, um, and I'm proud of that. As assistant coach Kyle Rohn steps into the building, I'd like to welcome him here to the Inside Southeastern Basketball, but you just mentioned a few guys and uh, talking about this roster, and I know in today's college basketball environment, we'll touch on it here in a, in a, in a moment, with NIL and transfer portal teams, it, it's rare that somebody stays at one place for a long time. But you look at your roster, you've got guys that have been here for a while. 
Uh, obviously, Nick Caldwell seems like he's been here. He can almost get a pension. And yeah. uh, Roger McFarland's been here three years. Roscoe Eastman, three years. You've got some guys that are glue guys in your program that have been Southeastern Alliance for a long time. Yeah, we're really proud of that. And I think that's just a, the relationship that we develop not only on the court, but also off the court and the trust that we have with these guys. These guys know that we care about them as human beings. And they know that we're not also, you know, only just going to uh, be nice to them all the time. That we're going to tell them the truth. And um, I think our guys need that. They want that. Our, our guys want discipline. Our guys are about what we're about. They know we care. And um, that means a lot going in this world. I've, I've been a lot of different programs. I've worked a lot of places. I've seen a lot of people, you know, and this is especially the way NIL is and everything. Like it's become so business-oriented and um, not really taking care of the kids and caring about the guys. And I think that we have that. The guys know, understand that. They know that. We get them better here. Um, and as long as they're bought in, they're coachable, they, they're about the right stuff, and they buy into what we're doing, they'll flourish here. You know, we talked about Roger a little bit, Roscoe, and obviously Nick Caldwell. Another guy who's been around a long time and finally getting on the floor is Avery Wilson. Just yeah. uh, speak to his, uh, just the, the maturity and development, just ability to, I guess, to fight through adversity with Avery Wilson. Yeah, Talk the, about him. The resiliency. I mean, the guy, you know, four years ago, you know, two years at Boston College. First of all, he was a freshman. He was 17 years old as a freshman. He was young. Um, and he goes off to Boston College. At the time, they had guys in Boston College was really good when he was there. Had a couple guys that ended up going on being NBA players and just didn't play much. And um, it was right before the transfer portal. He comes to us, has to sit out a year because the rules hadn't changed yet. And a week before the seasons, you know, he tears his ACL and come back again the next year and cracks his kneecap and then has to redo the surgery in January and missed it again. So he, he, he's back now and he's moving around, you know, like he did year one. Um, but just to stick with it, stay with it, and just keep getting, just keep getting knocked down and getting back up and fighting again, and um, just allows us to coach him. And he's been in the starting lineup, out of the starting lineup, plays a bunch of minutes, plays him out a lot of minutes. He, can, you know, some guys would break down, and, and Avery's. A, that's why I know he's going to be a successful person and a successful human being because he's he's able to um, handle adversity and just keep coming to work every day and being positive and doing the right things and um, just sticking with it. I know the one thing, obviously, with him, the talent's there. It's obvious, the size, the physicality, the explosiveness on the floor. But you got to think at some point just the, you know, it, it could click click for him at any time coming, moving yeah, forward to conference Yeah, we play. just talk about not being a robot as much. Avery likes to predetermine what he's going to do sometimes, you know. And we talk about the defense telling the play. And Avery sometimes will, you know, know that he's going to do the double cross spin move and back the guy down before he even gets the ball. And um, we're just letting the game come to him. And, you know, it's been such a long time since this guy's played, you know, four years. And he's trying to sometimes get it all back in one move. And, um, we're, you know, just letting the game come to him. And, um, and just, you know, it's a blessing just to be back on the basketball court. And um, getting that guy for us, uh, we've talked about it, he, he's got to be our bully. And Avery's just really good when he's, he thinks rebound and defend first. Let the game come to him. He's a tremendous shooter. He can finish at the rim. Um, just we're not pressing things. Understand who we are. Let's defend and rebound before we think about anything else. And he's really starting to buy into that role because I think he could be a, a, a weapon on both uh, on the defensive end and, and rebounding because he can play inside out for us. And um, I think if our mindset is to get stops and, and be a bully and, and uh, be more gritty, I think the offense is going to come for him. Now you guys uh, received the bullseye on, the, on your back from the conference, uh, picked to win the Southland Conference this year. And the reason is because you've got a lot of returning players yeah. and a lot of veterans coming back. You did lose – Boogie Anderson and Matt Strange, but you also added some pieces. Let's talk about a couple of those. Uh, Cam Burton, a true freshman coming in from Houston, had a big game 
on Saturday against Loyola. Made his first four threes in the ball game. Has shown some ability to shoot the basketball. Uh, a newcomer, uh, Carlos Paez. We'll talk about Carlos. Unfortunately, suffered a, a season-ending injury. He's going to yeah. be out, but really brought some energy and, and life to your basketball team in, in more ways than one, on and off yeah. the, the court. I know you've talked about that. And also, uh, you know, Dylan Canaville is an athletic young man. So just talking about a couple of the newcomers. Of, uh, yeah, I guess we roster. started with Carlos today. I just got off the phone with him early. He, he had surgery today. He tore his ACL, which is very unfortunate for us because you could just see him getting better and better and more comfortable with our system. You're talking about a guy that goes and scores almost 1,000 points at Austin P, top five in school history and assists, which is going to be a really good playmaker, ball handler, scorer, um, and leader for us. But one thing about him, I mean, and, and I've told him this, he's going to have a job when he's done here with, with me. He, he could be an assistant coach for us now. He's got a tremendous basketball IQ. He's a great leader. So his, his impact to our basketball team is still going to be huge. Um, he's he's a, a coach on the sideline. He's got immediate respect from players. He was, you know, the guy in practice every day that would put in his nose in there. If he had to go guard Brody, he'd guard Brody. He'd dive on the floor. He'd take a charge, knew all of our plays held himself accountable, which is a huge deal for us, is accountability, and he, and he did that. And, um, you know, again, he's going to have a huge impact on our team the rest of the season, but it really did hurt us just to the, have the, the, the experience. The guy's played 125 you know, Division One basketball games, and he's seen it all. He's played at every level. So um, that, does, that does, you know, hurt us a little bit, but I think, you know, it's got to be the next man up mentality, and our team's had that. And, uh you know, he's going to keep coaching from the sidelines. But starting with him, that was a, a great get for us. And, he, and like I said, it will still be a great get for the rest of the season. But you touched on Cam Burton, the freshman who's, who keeps getting better every single day, who's kind of cracked into that kind of, I guess you could say, top eight or, or, or nine or whatever you want to say. And early in the year, you kind of was, you know, you know, a little bit closer to the bottom. But you just keep seeing him get better every single day. He kind of, about a month ago, hit that freshman wall. It was just kind of like, oh, gosh, how long is this going to last? And But he was able to just kind of, keep battling and, you know, come and watch film and get in the gym and work on his game. And um, we just talk about, you know, those new guys just being coachable every day. You know, if you're a coach, you're coachable, you, you, you hold yourself accountable, you bring great, great effort. You're not just a, you know, right now we're practicing at noon. You're not just a 12 to 2 guy. You're coming before, you're coming after. Um, and Cam's being, is bought into those things. So I think that you're just going to keep seeing that guy's role expand. You're going to keep seeing him on the floor more as long as he can continues to play within himself. I mean, we talked about the first four threes of the first four threes of the first half. He makes, um, he misses the next like five or six. But I think all all those were tough contested shots. Um, one or two of them, I thought offensively, he didn't do a great job of giving him the ball late in the clock, and he had to just shoot it. But there was three or four that he could have avoided that kind of just hunted. And you know, I'm, I, I I don't mind guys, you know, looking for the shot when they've made a couple, but. I think that's you see the percentages go down when you hunt and you take contested shots. The first four just let him come right to him. We called plays for him. He got his feet set, turned, knocked him down. Um, but Cam's going to be a weapon for us. He really stretches the defense. He rebounds the basketball. He can sit down and guard, and um, you're just going to keep getting better. Uh, Dylan Canaville, who we touched on a little bit, he's he's been a lot better in practice. His minutes been all over the place a little bit. But again, a guy that when he's playing like that mindset of Avery Wilson, when you're playing as a bully, when you're playing trying to block every shot, or you're running down the floor and trying to get a dunk every time, you're running down the floor and trying to protect our rim every time, talking, um, Dylan really affects the game. You know, you're talking about a six guy, six five with a seven one wingspan. When he's playing hard, he really affects the basketball game and he's been doing that a lot in practice lately so again you're going to see him you know he's earned himself some more minutes to get on the basketball floor and, and, and make some plays and we can kind of play a different style when he goes in there for Brody and we can play a little bit faster and you know muck the game up a little bit more but um, 
yeah, I, I think you just c continue to see his his role in, increase in that aspect as long as he continues to play hard. And, and same with Jason Malibu, who just came over from football. He really is, you know, almost the same guy. Dylan's been with us since May or June, so he knows what we're doing a little bit offensively and defensively. But Jason Malibu is another guy that just steps in there, throws his body around. He's strong. He's athletic. And, um, you know, y you'll see him, you know, just his role expand with years to come. He's only a freshman. So um, really happy about those guys. And Anthony Bittar, again, a guy – all these new guys are going to hear about the, the roller coaster. Well, part of the reason we were picked number one is because, like you said, those returners. So we've, we're kind of set with our core of what we do for the starters in our first six. And those other guys are just, you know, got to be everyday guys. You don't know if your number is going to be called to play two minutes or 20 minutes. If it's two minutes, let's make it the best two minutes you've had of your entire career. And um, the guys that are buying into that, they, they see their two minutes expanding into eight minutes. The ones that don't see it go from two to zero or, or whatnot. So, um I think Anthony's a guy that all summer long and all fall, you could see his ability to pass. He's got great size. He can handle the ball. With Carlos being out, his role should get bigger. He had a good day at practice today. Um, if, he, if he goes in there and does what he does in practice, can carry over to the game, um, I think you'll see his role expand more. I, th I don't think we've seen the best of Anthony Batar in a game yet. Um, we have seen it a lot in practice, so it's up to him to go out there and just do it. And of course, we're going to talk a lot about the returning guys as we move forward in the show, as we break down the non-conference schedule and look forward ahead to conference play. But uh, just a, a roster that uh, has blended well together. And I know you got a couple of other guys you brought in or redshirting this year, Joe yep. Empoio and yep. uh, also Asher Boney and also Camaso. Uh, 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 as well yep. so uh, talk about those guys real quickly yeah Dominic Miso from from Illinois was at a prep school up in um, uh, Massachusetts last year and uh, just a long um, Nick Caldwell type not not quite the shooter as Nick was or, or quite the quick twitch but he's, he's longer um, he came in and proud of, of Dom you're talking about a guy that gets up almost five days a week I think it's 6 30 in the morning gets with our strength coach and we told him that he's got to be a certain weight if he ever, you know, wants to play. And he came in 6'9", 6'8", 6'9", 172 pounds. It's like, man, you're almost malnourished, dude. But the thing, watching him play, he would run the floor. He would compete. He was tough. Um, he had good skills. So we knew coming in, okay, this guy's going to be a project. But we knew he was going to be super coachable. He had a great basketball IQ. He knew how to play, play the right way. All right, let's get him here. Put him in Division One weight program. Let's put some weight on and see what he can do. Now, Dom, you're talking about May or June. He was 170. Dom was 191 the other day. He's put on 20 pounds since June. And in practice, he's, he's getting things done. Now, have, now, being 190 pounds, he's still, you know, half the size of the two guys. He's got to guard in practice every day. But he's getting better every day because he's eating Max Brackman's elbow. He's eating Brody's elbow every day. They're Brackman and Brody are 290 pounds, having to guard those guys every day and understand how he's got to use his feet. And he can't just sit behind in the post and be 6'9 anymore. This is Division One basketball. He's got to front the post. He's got to move. Dom's getting a lot better. And, again, it goes back to just like Cam Burton, those freshmen. He's coachable. If you're coachable and do what we ask you to do, you're going to have success here. Um, Joe Mapoyo, another guy, he just um, had his knee drained, so he's been out for about two weeks. But a guy that could have really played this year. We talked about um, red shirting because, you know, this summer Alec wasn't with us. He had hurt his knee. Um, he had a meniscus surgery, and Joe was doing a lot of good things this summer. When Alec got back, you could just see Joe's role get smaller and smaller and smaller. And him being a junior, usually, you know, you want your Juco guys to be in that first eight or nine or even ten. And he was kind of right on that uh, on that border. And Alec Woodard's going to play a lot of minutes. Uh, Roger McFarland would expect to play a lot of minutes. So, you know, we, we, we agreed that it kind of may be a waste of year when, when those guys, we lose five guards after this year. And he's him being able to step uh, step in next year to be a junior and already have practiced with us. 
It's, it's a guy that's 6'5", that can make a shot, and he's just got a great basketball IQ. We're, we're excited about his future here. And um, last, Asher Boney, local, local guy, um, Ponchatoula High School. To be honest, one of the ma major surprises, I think, in our program. You know, he came in in our first meeting, he had the floppy curly hair, had a, like, bad body, and like, ah, I don't know how long he's going to make it. But back to Dominic Camiso, he comes in every single morning. He's got the best attitude. He's one of the toughest kids on the team. They do the squats and stuff in there. He's got, he squats more than anybody on the team. He's squatting over 400 pounds in the weight room. And he's got his body. He was 242 when we sat and had that meeting and just didn't look very good. And now he's 217. He's the best shape that he's ever been in. And every day after practice, he wants to show everybody that he can dunk because he never did that. He's just got the energy, got the juice. He's feeling good about his body. He's, when we talk about the Jason Malibu and Dylan is kind of throwing their body around. He's not the athlete that he is, but he's sneaky long. He's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, but he's got a 6'11 wingspan. But he throws his body around. He's extremely strong. Um, I'm really excited and, and proud of, you know, to have that guy as a walk-on and being a local guy and um, and being here and being just a, a great teammate that he's been. We're, we're really excited about him. You know, who knows, the sky's the limit for that guy. In three or four years, you know, he could really, really, I think, be helping us a ton. So we'll see how he keeps progressing. Well, there's a breakdown of your 2023-24 Southeastern roster. We'll step away when we come back. We'll dive into the non-conference schedule and uh, talk about the, the wars the Lions have battled so far before uh, conference play kicks off next weekend. We'll step away after this timeout. You're listening to Inside Southeastern Basketball with head coach David Kiefer back at Rainbow Daiquiri's after this. This is a St. Jude moment. Ashton was a high-level athlete, and in a, an instant, your world flips, and your healthy five-year-old competitive cheerleader has a brain tumor. And the physician was like, your best option is St. Jude. Receiving treatment that was life-saving for our child and knowing that that treatment would be of no cost to us was a huge weight lifted. Learn more at stjude.org. Crescent Bar, a proud sponsor of Southeastern Athletics on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network, has served Hammond and the surrounding areas since 1938. The Crescent Bar offers an assortment of beers, wines, and liquors, and features pool tables. The Crescent Bar is located in downtown Hammond at 110 West Thomas Street. The telephone number is area code 985-345-7636. The Crescent Bar, another proud sponsor of Southeastern Athletics on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. If you're having a tough time or thinking about suicide, you're not alone. And there's hope. VA's Veterans Crisis Line has responders who listen and help. Many are veterans or have veteran family members and friends, so they're prepared to address your challenges. Don't wait. Dial 988, then press 1. And welcome back to Inside Southeastern Basketball with your head coach, David Kiefer. Mark Willoughby with you. We are live from Rainbow Daiquiri's in downtown Hammond, America. Great night for uh, to get things kicked off here on Inside Southeastern Basketball. And uh, we were talking about, you know, the summer, how the team bonded in their Bahamian, uh, Bahamian trip, I guess is how you would say that. And 
also uh, the newcomers to the Lions roster. Let's dive in, Coach, to the uh, non-conference schedule. You guys kicked things off back on November 6th. This seems like forever ago when Delta State came to town, a Division II school that's had a lot of success in the past, probably not in recent years. But they came in, athletic basketball team, and uh, you know pressed you a little bit early. But you guys pulled away. You won 90 to 71 uh, to get things kicked off at home at the Pride Roofing University Center. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like so long ago. I could I could barely remember the game, but I, I, from what I remember, I, I remember we, we really scored the basketball, and I thought we made shots. We were able to throw the ball inside. We, um, I thought that our guys competed for the most part. When we got into seven in the second half a little bit late, they kind of made a little bit of a run, but I thought the core group of guys started the way that we needed to start it and, you know, got their, the, pre, their first game jitters out of the system and um, got our first, first, first W of the season at home because we knew it right after that it was a, a long trip, a long time till we got to see home again. Uh, get off the great first half, 23-point uh, lead at halftime. Delta State came back, made a game of it in the second half. But you guys played a lot of players. I think you had six guys scoring double figures, McFarland 14, Eastman, uh, and Caldwell 13 apiece. Avery Wilson, we talked about getting his first action officially. It was his first start as a Southeastern line. He pitched in with 11 points. Uh, he got the start in that ball game, a 4-6 shooting. Brody Roberry, Alec Woodard. And just, again, uh, contributions throughout your lineup. You guys uh, take that basketball game. You jump out to one and oh start to the season. Then it, uh, you hit the road against some toughies coming up. And then you, you go to Auburn uh, that following Friday. And, of course, Auburn, a little bit sneaky basketball team, a, a good program under Bruce Pearl, not ranked coming into the year, but very talented, hit the portal. And uh, you guys ran into a buzzsaw, but you handled yourselves well. You end up losing by 15. It was a seven-point game late. Yeah, I thought that that game kind of um, <clears throat> we we played that game. We controlled the pace, and I think that we've done that a lot better of late. And um, you know, I, I think it's kind of twofold. I think our players uh, are doing a lot better job of things right now. And I thought we we made some adjustments as as a staff that um, kind of worked for us. But I thought this this was a game where it was kind of played as if you know how we were playing more of late. You know, I thought that guys did a great job of controlling the tempo. We knew going in that Auburn tries to turn you over. They're going to pressure every single time the ball goes in. They're going to pick up full court. They're going to try to get in transition. They're going to try to score. They're going to try to turn you over. We can't have any interception touchdowns. If we're going to turn the ball over, it's going to be shot clock violations or I'm going to punt the ball in the stands so we can get back on defense, have our defense set, let's play a five-on-five five basketball game. We did a great job of getting the basketball game because it really initially they'll just try to get on top of you and turn you over. And We were able to get it in. We were able to get down the floor, take good shots for the most part. I thought um, we had, you know, Roger and Roscoe um, t took a couple questions, but at the same time they were also the guys that were kind of creating for us offensively. Um, but again, again, late, I thought we had some misadjustments and, and, and a couple key, key critical turnovers and a, a few early quick shots. And a team like that that has future pro guys, SEC team, top 25 team, they're just going to make you pay every time. And that's why it went from 7 to 15 um, so quick. But I thought from, from the game plan, scouting point standpoint, um, pace of play, I thought our guys did a really good job of um, taking what we, what we uh, coached down to the floor because it was a lot closer than I thought the score ended up being with us fouling late. And two of your seniors really stood tall in that basketball game. Roger McFarland, if folks didn't know who he was before, uh, really learned in that ball game. 24 points, 11 rebounds against uh, a very good SEC competition. Uh, was uh, just magnificent, especially uh, later first half into the second half. And then Roscoe Eastman, 
uh, just played outstanding that day, 15 points uh, in that basketball game. Yeah, both of those guys were, like I said, they, they were both really good. I thought, you know, you go back and see one guy take 23, one takes 15. I think they both could have had the same numbers with taking, you know, Roger could have went nine for 16, and Roscoe I thought could have been about five for 10. But, again, th those guys were kind of making the plays, and, um, you know, we, we were, we were kind of riding their, riding their coattails at that point in the game. Uh, one thing that I know was a little bit of a problem early, uh, may still be a little bit, but uh, you guys have gotten off some slow starts mm -hmm. offensively. Just talk about that, walk through that if you would. What, what do you think the reason for that might be? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think to, to me, I think it's more so for us, I think it, it, it's, it's defensively if it, us getting stops and getting out in transition early. Um, because, you know, we want, we want to run offense. We want to, you know, control the pace a little bit. But we, we really want to run and get out in transition and get quick busket, bucket, buckets after misses and getting in a rhythm to get stops. And I think it's almost, it almost connected every single time. When we, when we not, aren't scoring, we're also not getting stops sometimes. We're getting in deep holes late. And I think we just really got to focus on it. And I'm okay. If you go back to uh, the Grambling game, you go to – um, a couple of those early games, Santa Clara, you go to, um, who did we play last, uh, uh, Murray, State. Murray State, you know, early in the game, you know, it's, it's four points, six points, and, and, and that's good, you know, if we can get into rhythm, because I know it, when the game goes along, we're going to be able to score the basketball, we got guys that can score inside and outside, we can make shots, we have to get in a rhythm defensively, this team's mindset has got to be, we're the best defensive team in the conference. We've got to be the best rebounding team because we're going to be able to make shots. We need to be able to execute. we got older guys that understand the play. Our, our basketball team has got to be hang their hat in their half-court defense. We've got to hang their hat on the pace and the style of play of the game. And I think the last three games of some of the adjustments we've made and stuff like that, our guys are really starting to understand and buy into that, and um, especially in practice and defensively, and you're seeing it correlate on the floor. We won't spend a whole lot of time on BYU. That was a, a tough one. Uh, talk about BYU just a but moment. Yeah, That's I a mean, team. we could talk about because honestly, one thing going into that game, and people don't realize, and I watch them at film, I'm like, okay, this team's like Sweet 16, Elite 8. Yeah. Good. We watch the game because they have the same roster they did last year, and they were kind of decent. But boy, that's that's one of the best shooting teams in the country, one of the best coach teams in the country, and they are so physical and so gritty. They're they have super underrated defensive team and go click on their scores every you click on them and They're nobody's came, they, there's probably 10 games that they beat they won by 50 and you're talking about good mid-major basketball teams if and, and not even counting that at their place it's packed the fans are outrageous it, it's it's a really now we played probably one of the worst games you could possibly play but give them credit part of that was due to how they played but we, we played horrific that game I know they're not that much better than us but at the same time you know, they've got one loss this year. It was against Utah, who was really good, and they had four players suspended for that game, and three of them were starters. They, they're an undefeated basketball team. They're picked to finish, like, last of Big 12, and you can just feel that they got a chip on their shoulder because of that. Because I promise you in the Big 12, and I know that's the, maybe the best league in the country, they're not going to finish last. They're, they're a top four or five team in that conference. Well, I've had a chance to watch them several times on TV, and they're, uh, they'll be playing late in March, oh, yeah, no question about it. Uh, made 15 threes against your ball club, and uh, they haven't looked back since. It did, but but you rebounded. You go to Santa Clara, and that's a, another tough one. It's a, uh, a, a West Coast Conference team. Herb Sendick is the head coach there, and uh, they're a long basketball team. You, you, you watch them on the floor. they got like two seven-footers, another yep. 6'10", and some length at guard. But you guys battled, and you had a chance to win. You had to lead late. Yep. Uh, you had the ball 
the last shot, you just couldn't pull it off too yeah, far. Yeah, you know, and that's where I go to that thing at the, in the Bahamas, and that's where I go to I know we have good leadership because you lose like that at BYU. Sometimes you have, I've been a part of it here in our first two years. You know, you start questioning yourselves. The players may start questioning what are we doing when you lose a game like that and take the confidence. Man, we couldn't have had a better practice after BYU. And guys laser locked in and focused on Santa Clara. And you go into Santa Clara, like you said, they're the fourth biggest team in the country. They basically, they paid for our Bahamas trip. So you know, you know what you're going there for. But our guys didn't blink an eye, didn't bat an eye from the get-go. Again, go back to like the BYU, I mean, the Auburn game. We were able to control the pace, control the tempo. We didn't have the bad turnovers. We got the ball where it needed to get. We're winning late in the game with three minutes to go. Um, we get the ball sideline out of bounds with, you know, five seconds to go with a chance to win the basketball game. And, you know, a week later, that team beats Oregon. Um, you're talking about a team that's, you know, in and out of the top 25. So to go from that to that, I think it showed the character, the resiliency of our basketball team and, um, and just the upside of our basketball team. And still at this moment, I think we still hadn't quite figured out as a coaching staff, and I'm not going to put that in our players, who we should be playing like yet. But uh, nonetheless, a very good showing at a, at, a, at a good Santa Clara team. Shows what you're capable of, and, right. and we'll talk more about that as we get deeper into the schedule. But uh, then you come back, you go to the multi-team event over in Niceville, Florida. Uh, you play two uh, teams, I think, when people look at the schedule, hey, we should roll out there and win. Right. But there are no games like that on the right. schedule. But you lose a tough one by 1.68-67 to a Western Michigan team that – uh, the record's not great, but playing a, a pretty good league, and, and they're a good team. And, yep. and you guys lost that one tough. And then, of course, Tennessee State the next day, similar thing. Talk yeah, about those two um, games. those are two games, you know, you look at the schedule, like, hey, we, we need to go down there and win those basketball games. Again, those are like two conference opponents. So it's not gimme games. Those are two opponents that, you know, really, you, you know, you want to compare everything. They, 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 they get a lot more for their programs than we do here, but they're, they're similar level, I would say. And, you know, you go to the Western Michigan game, and really, I thought for the most part, we played really well defensively. I thought offensively, um, we didn't do exactly what we needed to. And one of our sayings here is our offense has got to help our defense. And I don't think it did at times with some of the decisions we make. And then defensively, when we made mistakes, every single time Western Michigan made us pay for it. I mean, they made big shot after big shot. And, and give them credit. And, and I, I've watched all their games leading up to it. I, I hadn't seen them played that well from making a shot standpoint. But, again, you go to all those made shots in the second half that we gave up, I, I, I thought a lot of those were our mistakes. Um, so they made us pay for it every single time. But go back to that game in the Tennessee State game, which Tennessee, what I didn't like was how we responded after losing that game to how we responded to Tennessee State. As much as I give our team credit for from the, from the uh, BYU game to Santa Clara, I don't give them credit for, for how we responded after Western Michigan because I thought, again, taking nothing from Tennessee State, but – we shouldn't lose that basketball game. I think that we're a better basketball team, and we did not we did not show it. They made us pay. We didn't play well. Um, and, again, that kind of, for us, kind of showed us, again, what things we, we might be doing wrong as a, as a coaching staff. We're, we're big on accountability, and um, we weren't playing the way we needed to, and I think uh, we needed to play, and I think our coaches did a good job of looking at themselves and started making, right at this point it seems, we started making a little bit of adjustments. We'll step away. We'll come back. We'll talk more about this uh, pre-conference schedule, and then we'll dive into league play and talk uh, more Southeastern basketball right here on Inside Southeastern Basketball with head coach David Kiefer live from Rainbow Daiquiri's in downtown Hammond back on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network.
I'm a college athlete. But you don't know where I was born, if I was raised in the city or suburbs. You don't know the color of my skin, whether I'm big or small, who I love, or if I'm rich, poor, or somewhere in the middle. But the good news is, it doesn't matter. Because as a college athlete, the only thing that does matter is that I have the skill and the drive to succeed in school and sports. Visit NCAA.org slash opportunity to learn more. Menino's Pharmacy is a full-service retail pharmacy with specialties in compounding, IV therapy, hospice, and nursing home services. Menino's is a joint commission accredited pharmacy that offers personalized specialty medications and compounds, as well as medication synchronization and a variety of packaging options. Menino's Pharmacy accepts private insurance, Medicaid, and Medicare, and is located at 113 West Charles Street, Hammond, Louisiana, area code 70401. This is your captain. We are going to be experiencing some slight turbulence. Please fasten your... Oh, hold on. Just got a video of my cat. Imagine the pilot of an airplane was as confident as you are texting and driving. Seems kind of crazy when you put it like that. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Rainbow Daiquiris, live in downtown Hammond, America. Mark Willoughby, David Kiefer with you. We are on the inside Southeastern basketball with head coach David Kiefer show and uh, coach joins us. Uh, we're picking up where we left off in the non-conference schedule. We talked about the multi-team event over in Niceville, Florida. Uh, didn't finish up how you wanted. You ended up 0-2 and uh, now you've got a little bit of a losing streak uh, going and you, but you come back home. You got Southern New Orleans coming to town on November 28th during the Thanksgiving break and uh, you come out, you do what you're supposed to do in that one, 101-55. Uh, got a lot of guys in the act and got you a win. Yeah, you know, it, it need, needed that one, obviously. Um, and we kind of strategically placed some of our games where, where they needed to go because in, in, in case, you know, stuff like that happens, you know, you, you want to try to not have to get the guys play five and six and seven uh, road games on the road. You want to you be able to get some of those non-Division one games in there um, right in between, and, and, and just get your mojo back going, you know, work on what you need to get better on, and our guys were able to go in there and, and uh, <clears throat> not make it a me game, you know, work and pad your stats, guys went in there and did what they were supposed to do, I thought we really defended, we, we really shared the basketball, and it's fun, to, it's, it's fun watching our guys when we play like that. Now, one guy who, who did pad his stats in that game, but he's continued to pad his stats as we've We've moved on. It's Nick Caldwell. Talk about the evolution of Nick Caldwell. He's been here, it seems like, forever. His fifth year in this program, counting the COVID year, just uh, eclipsed uh, the all-time games played record uh, against Grambling, 133 games, uh, surpassing Marlon Veal's record, and scored his 1,000th point earlier in the year. Just talk about Nick Caldwell, what he's bringing to the table, and just continues to elevate his play. And Nick Caldwell is the reason I have zero hair on my head. <laughs> No, Nick, Nick, um, Nick, uh, I joke, and he can be a pain sometimes, but that's, again, that's part of what makes Nick good is his, his chippiness, his edge that he has, um, and, and sometimes it's difficult to coach, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anybody else, you know, Nick has a great understanding of how to play, Nick is, a, um, he's the most, 
you know, street clothes Nick is the most likable person in the entire world. There's not a better guy in the world than Nick. And on the basketball court, he does have the edge. And, you know, we, and we like that. And we like that he's on our team. Um, but, you know, Nick's at his best when Nick's cutting. He's being a, 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 the great the athlete that he is, rebounding, coming over help side, racing mistakes and blocking shots, uh, knocking down the open good three. Um, that, that's when he's best. He's not floating on the perimeter, trying to make plays off the bounce. And, 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 he's, and he's doing what, what he does. And I think that's why he's having success this year. He knows what he's good at. He's older. Um, he's not trying to show you what he's not good at. And Nick should be playing basketball for a lot of years to come after this too. Averaging 13.4 points, uh, five and a half rebounds, uh, 10 blocks on the year leader team in that category, 13 steals as well. Just having a, a, a fantastic senior season is uh, Nick Caldwell. Uh, we talked about Roger McFarland. He's just been steady. Roger continues mm -hmm. to, to be a very good basketball yeah, player. Yeah, Roger got all the preseason accolades, and, and rightfully so. You're talking about a guy that was one of the top rebounders in the conference last year, one of our leading scorers last year, and he's just doing the exact same thing that he um, did last year. He's Especially of late, he's, he's, you could see him um, getting more comfortable. And again, I, I, you know, some of that was on us, I think, a little bit early on. We're getting him in better spots offensively. He's feeling more comfortable and confident in himself offensively. Um, and, and, and Roger's, you know, one thing about Roger, he, he's just going to play. Like every day, he's going to bring it. Every day he's going to play. You don't have to worry about um, if Roger's going to practice hard or if Roger's going to, um, you know, be tough and go rebound. Like Roger's going to play every single day. He's going to work every single day. And, and, I, and I know I say this all the time last year, but I'm going to repeat it again this year. Roger is the king of leading us in pre and post practice as well. And that's why you see his numbers go up. That's why you see him become a better basketball player because he puts in the work. He's not just talking about it. He stays after practice. He works on his game. He shoots every single day. And um, Rogers, you got to give him credit, too, is he's starting to take film a lot more seriously, too. And that's an area that I've challenged him in is not just staying after a shooter, but also, you know, perfecting your craft, watching film, seeing what you can do to get better, but also studying your opponents. And Rogers done a good job of that this season. And he continues to lead your team in scoring 13 and a half points and also 6.9 rebounds per game, one of the better rebounding guards in the country can really go get the basketball just uh, throws his body around as you mentioned step out and shoot to three and not a lot he can't do uh, on a basketball floor but let's uh, you know continue on with his schedule coach and you know, he got back on the winning track against Southern New Orleans you expected to win that ball game you did then you go on the road and you play LSU a team that kind of a mystery team they have some talent but just haven't put it all together and they've been up and down had a big win over Wake Forest a close loss to Nichols State I know a game you felt like you might be able to go over there and get. You had a chance. You had the lead late, just couldn't quite hold it. Yeah, I thought we played again. Played a really, a, a really, a good game. I thought, and, and, and I know a lot of people around here. Oh, they lost to Nichols. So we should get over, come over there and win. And you know, Nichols had a 20-point lead, I think, in the half, and you know, loses it, and, and LSU goes up, and they hit a shot at the buzzer to to win the game. But you know. It, LSU, at the end of the day, they, they, they got some SEC dudes. You know, they're big, they're athletic. Um, and, and I thought from, from start to finish, we played with them the entire game. There was no point where there was a big swing where they went on this huge run or we went on this huge run. I thought it was a, it was a heavyweight matchup, and we went toe-to-toe -to -toe and battled all through then. And at that, just late in the game, they, they made a couple plays. Their athletes got just made a couple more plays than ours. But... Um, I thought we learned a lot about our team then. And I, again, I thought in that crowd and that atmosphere and against that team, a chance to win late. I thought our guys did a great job. And again, still at this point in the season, still not doing, I think, and putting our team in the best, best position possible.
Well, you'll, you'll lose a tough one in that one. You would lose by seven, but again, it was uh, it was a one point, two point game, like with under a minute to play, and uh, they pull away to win it. But again, Nick Caldwell, Roger McFarland, eighteen to fifteen points apiece, a or eighteen to twelve points apiece, both have eight rebounds again against SEC competition. Roscoe Eastman, uh, ten points, five assists in that ball game, uh, and then Paez goes down. I know in practice, has yeah, a knee injury. in between, and and, and, uh, and again. Leading up to these next two games, and look, it, and sometimes, because the next two basketball games, we can kind of put them in one because it was the same basketball game, might have been the two worst games that we've played in the past couple of years from a standpoint of coaching it to playing it. And I think it started with Chino's injury. Chino tears his ACL right before that Southern game, and it just, he, he, he's only been here for a little bit, but him and Alec Woodard were best friends and roommates at Austin P. The team already kind of knew him. When he came in, it just like felt like he'd been here for three or four years. When he goes down, it just it, it was a, it was a gut punch. It was a gut punch to our basketball team, and, and um, I think it took it took some it took some of us out of us, and and it, it kind of had we kind of had to adjust. And probably with Chino, we still needed to make this adjustment, but we we for sure had to make the adjustment without him. But going into that game, we still kind of you know these next two, I thought in Southern and Louisiana Tech. Our offense did not help our defense. You know, not having Chino's maturity on the floor is, is, is ball handling building and passing ability, um, I think, affected us a little bit. Um, I thought our other guys that are totally capable of do it, I thought we went to Southern. We were soft with the basketball. They switched up defense. We, we seemed surprised by that. Um, they beat us to the ball. We didn't score the ball at all. I thought we were offensively sensitive because now we're not scoring. Now we're not defending the way that we do. I thought the Southern basketball game might have been the softest, worst that we've ever played at the school. Um, and then compile that, I think we go to Louisiana Tech and almost do the same thing now. Again, Southern's a good basketball team. They just beat Mississippi Tech's State really before good. us, and, they, and, and yeah. Mississippi State's top 20 in the country. Southern's a good basketball team. Um, Louisiana Tech's a really good basketball team as well. So going in there and playing the way that we played, um, after the Louisiana Tech game, I don't think I slept for two days and just was taking notes, thinking about what we got to do because we got a basketball team here that does everything that I ask them to do. They can bring it every single day. Um, and they're not getting done what we're asking to get them done. So whose fault is that? Ultimately, coaches got to figure it out. We have to adapt. What we're doing isn't what's best for our basketball team. So what can we do? And I think we, we made some adjustments to the staff defensively and offensively. Um, we met with our staff. I met with my staff the next morning. I told them what we were going to do. I think their hearts dropped a little bit and weren't <laughs> ready for it. But... Um, we did those adjustments. Um, I think it was best for our team. I thought our guys believed in it. Um, and we went full speed ahead with the adjustment we made on both sides of the basketball, just, just controlling the pace. Not these huge major adjustments, but just controlling the pace defensively, what we're trying to do. Um, and I think we did that. We go into Murray State. And, and again, because we've changed these things, it's not the overall just the answer because some of our problems were just lack of toughness or rebounding the basketball. Whatever we do on offensive defense, we better rebound the dang ball. We got to be tough. We got to be physical. We got to be gritty and grimy before we change anything. It, it, whatever you do is not going to work if you're not going to do those things. But we got as a staff put our team in the best position possible that suits them so they can feel confident. And I think that we've, we've done that. The last couple of games, I think the first game against Murray State, they were probably a little bit of surprised of what we did. Um, but our guys, because Murray State is a really well-coached basketball team that's got some really good dudes. They just beat Middle Tennessee the other night by 20 last and night. UIC. Um, and UIC. Well. Like and a, a good basketball team. So go over there, 
First time in our school's history, we were 0-6 at their place. We go to their place, beat them for the first time in school history. A huge win for our basketball team. And then come back to, to play Grambling, who's picked to, win, to finish first in the SWAC. Um, I think Grambling is, is a team, again, don't have a great record, but their record, they, who they're playing is even worse than who we got playing in. And to be able to come back, them knowing what we're going to do and able to kind of control the pace of the game and play the way we needed to play after not shooting well was, was a big Big checkoff for us. Yeah, two teams, you know, desperate for a win. I thought right. that was a really good basketball game. It was physical and yep. again came down to a one point southeastern win. You close out last Saturday with a big win over Loyola, a program that won a national championship two years ago at the NAI level. Very well coached team. You pull away, get a twenty three point win in that one. Set you up next weekend to talk about conference play. We're gonna take a break. We'll come back, we'll dive in to Southland Conference play next week as uh, we step away here on Inside Southeastern Basketball with head coach David Kiefer live from Rainbow Daiquiri's. Back after this timeout on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network. Rainbow Daiquiri's is a proud location sponsor of the David Kiefer Radio Show and this broadcast on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network. Rainbow Daiquiri's has been serving the Hammond area since 1984. Located at 14384 West Common Street in Hammond, Rainbow Daiquiri's offers a variety of daiquiris and beer plus pool tables. With late hours, Rainbow Daiquiri's is proud to support Lion Athletics and this broadcast on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for providing the facilities to meet my health and nutritional needs in order for me to be the best student athlete I can be. For making game day experiences go from ordinary to extraordinary. For allowing me to meet new people and build lifelong friendships while competing at the school I love. For giving me the resources to pursue my degree and the ability to excel in the classroom. For helping me look my best as I compete and achieve my goals. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Lion Nation, for your support. You help make a difference in the daily lives of more than 300 student-athletes wearing Southeastern green and gold. We couldn't do it without you. Your favorite coaches club is available through the Lion Athletics Association by phone at area code 985-549-5091. Also available online at www.lionup.com. For everything about Southeastern athletics, including schedules, live game coverage, and stats, visit lionsports.net. Time is flying by here on Inside Southeastern Basketball with David Kiefer. We are live at Rainbow Daiquiri's, and I tell you what, festive atmosphere is it's a packed house here in downtown Hammond, America. Mr. Keith Woody here and uh, Eli behind the bar. Come see him and uh, and uh, <laughs> help him out here. Is, uh, I tell you what, starting to pile in here. And Coach, we've got a few moments left on the show. Boy, I tell you, it's really flown by. And, uh, about as fast as the season's gone by so far. But uh, you guys, uh, you end up 5-8, and non-conference play. I know that's not the record you wanted. I mean, you wanted to come out with a winning record. But I think, you know, looking at the schedule, and uh, again, it's not just the schedule. It's how the schedule weighs out. You're, you're bouncing around West Coast, East Coast. Um, you know, you're, you know, some good mid-major teams, Power 5 conference yeah. teams. And um, you end up 5-8. and eight. You lost a couple games. I know you, you wish you had back. But overall, I think you're probably where you thought you would be. Yeah, you know, I, I you know, the most I think the most wins a school has ever had in non-conference play is seven. So you you know you go down to to Destin and win those two games that you should have won. All of a sudden we have the school's best record, you know. But you know, it, it, all that stuff doesn't matter. 
You know, you got teams coming into to conference play like McNeese that are 11 and 2. You got us and UNO coming in 5 and 8. You got everybody else sitting about the same record as we got or worse, to be honest, beside McNeese. But at the end of the day, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Everybody's 0 and 0 right now. And, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to learn from our non conference. We're not going to get too high or too low of what our record is. We're gonna, we, we, we know who we are right now. Let's be who we are, and let's get better at that every single day. Explain to the listeners out there. I know you, you see the records. You talked about McNeese at 11-2, and obviously they're a good basketball team. Yeah. But explain to the listeners at home and, you know, the casual fan that conference plays a lot different animal than non-conference yeah. plays. Explain why that is. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's just it's different. I mean, every game is, 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 is the Super Bowl. You know, every game matters so much. You got some of these teams going into break pre and post Christmas, not not into it, not ready. Everybody's ready to get to conference play, you know, and, and we're not traveling to California and the next night flying back and playing some school we never heard of. You know, we're playing these guys, you and know, we played three times last year. They basically have the same rosters they did last year. We know them, they know us. They're 45, an hour down the road. And we know that they're going to be there late, in the, late in, the, in the year. You know, we know that we're opening up with, you know, three teams that looked like three of the better teams in, in conference play on the road. Um, it's just every possession, it, 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 just, it, it just ramps up. It's so important. And then you got to talk about Saturday-Monday games. There's no in-between breaks. There's no weekends. You know, you can have the best roster, but where are you at at the end of the year? Is your team still connected? Where are you at with injuries? You know, if you had a bad game, does that can compound to multiple games? You know, some teams haven't hit adversity yet. So see, see where we're at. We'll get a better feel of, of everybody in the conference, you know, in about seven, eight games into it. Well, I know one thing you and I were, were talking about, uh, you know, before, and I know you want to touch on it a little bit, and we will. College basketball is so different now with NIL and transfer portal. Just You just never know who's going to show up with what. <laughs> Yeah. In a given year, talk about that. Yeah, know. and that's part of the problem with scheduling right now. It's so hard to schedule basketball games, especially these high-level schools, because, you know, you got some of these schools that you, you go play, and they're giving you a check for $100,000. Well, before they write a $100,000 check, they want to know who's in your roster. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of these lower-level schools that are going beating these schools, but they signed a contract with them now. Well, six months from now, you don't know who's on that roster. And especially with NIL and some of these schools, it's going to become, you know, even more of the have and have nots. And um, schools that are level that um, are, are involving in the NIL, they're, they're going to have some, you know, more success, some, some more sustainability. And then schools that aren't, they're going to start falling off by the wayside. So um, it's just, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird time. You got to, you almost, you, you got to be, you got to be involved in men's basketball more than any other sport right now. Men's basketball, you, you've got you to, gotta, you know, get involved in NIL and you've got to have your, your fan support. And, um, you know, some of the teams in our league are, are starting to do that. And, and you don't want to be left by the wayside. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much you can say it, but I can. Uh, if you're out there and you, you want to know how you can help, uh, that's one way you can help is, is um, you know, NIL collective. I, I don't know how all that works legally, yeah. but, you know, I know a lot of people are doing it now. And. You got to get in a ball game, you know, if yeah. you want a good program and you want uh, to sustain a winning program. It's it's just what uh, fans have to do. So, uh, not afraid to make that plug. But, uh, coach, you, you go on the road. You talked about three straight on the road to open yeah. conference play. You start next Saturday at UNO, and again, that's uh, 
one of the biggest, two biggest rivals right out of the gate, UNO and Nickel State. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I say to it, good. You know, we're going to see where we're at. We got three. We got open up one, two, three on the road. Well, you know what that means. Later in the conference, they got to come to your place. And we're going to see where we're sitting at. I know UNO is going to be one of the best teams in the conference. I've watched Nichols, you know, casually a couple times early in non-conference play. They're, they're good. That guy, Tavon Sanders, going to done a good job. Nichols is going to be right there again. And obviously everybody, you know, we haven't heard. Nichols, McNeese has been throwing at everybody's face nonstop. Everybody knows what they're doing and what they got going on. So going at those places, the first three games of the year, we're really going to see where our team's at. And um, I'm excited about just to see how we respond. Well, I know if this... Uh, team takes on the well I know they do take on the uh, character of you and your staff they're going to be ready for conference play and I know the last couple of years they have been and uh, no better way to go on the road and get a couple of wins to kick off conference play yeah you know we, we and not many people know this but you know the last couple of years uh, nobody has more conference south and conference wins than southeastern besides Corpus Christi and um We've we'll done play, that we'll now. play those four, by the way. It'll be the first home game. So yeah. you've got the four toughest uh, yeah. right out of the shoot. No, exactly. Who and, made uh, that schedule? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, and and we're, we're excited about it, though. We're not going to run away from it. And, and, you know, we talked about being preseason one. I think all that preseason ranking and all this stuff, it means nothing. But at the end of the day, we've also been here, you know, four years ago when you're getting preseason pick 12. I'd rather be preseason pick one than 12. Um, and, you know, that's the standard that we want to keep here. We want to be a team that, that is the hunted that's sitting at the top of the conference. And, preseason picked and at the end of the year we want to be we want to be sitting right there so I'm um, excited about what we got coming up with UNO the first game of the year because I know Coach Lester what they're going to have and how talented they are and what a good job that he does over there so we're going to see where our team's at um, we're going to have to bring our hard helmet hard hats in game one because I know they're going to be they're going to be a physical uh, tough team game one. Lions are five and eight coming out of non-conference play and I know uh, Coach Kiefer I know you guys made made some adjustments I feel I know you feel like you're ready uh, for the wars of conference play and uh, that tough non-conference schedule has you guys prepared and uh, next week we'll be back on the air here Tuesday night it'll be Tuesday night uh, coming up that'll be January the 9th uh, following the Nickel State game Southeastern will have had played two games between now and then so we'll talk about UNO and Nickel State next week here on Inside Southeastern Basketball with head coach David Kiefer and I'd like to thank all the folks here at Rainbow Dacqueries, Mr. Keith Woody, Eli behind the bar, and everybody here in the audience, uh, again, uh, for joining us here tonight. We'll be right back here, same bat time, same bat channel, on 90.9 The Lion, KSLU, our flagship station here on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network. Uh, Coach, any final thoughts? No, it's come out, come out to New Orleans. Short little trip down the road. We need, we need our fans. We need support. Um, big, big game for our guys, and we want to get off started off right and just anybody in the area, come, come on out and support your own Lions. See you next week, everybody, right here on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network on Inside Southeastern Basketball with head coach David Kiefer. Broadcasts on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network are a product of Lions Sport Properties. For more information on how you can support future broadcasts, contact Lions Sport Properties at area code 985-549-2570. We're your Lion Nation station, KSLU Hammond America.